While others are gathering in, 215 years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. It's great to be in Dalriada School tonight to commence our gospel campaign. And so let's have good singing from the very first words of this lovely hymn, Remaining Seated. Um, the seats are pretty tight together, so just be careful whenever we do rise, somebody doesn't take your seat. So I don't think they'll move them too far, but uh, we certainly want to get you packed in. So years I spent in vanity and pride, remaining seated while we sing, please. of grace is Jesus my Redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give Yes, I 
down where for cleansing from sin I cry. came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary.
into singing. We're going to open our gospel campaign by turning to the hymn 265. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner. Condemned unclean, not one of us deserved the grace of God, but oh, the marvelous, wonderful, amazing grace. There's no other word for grace, but amazing. And God should so love you and I. And so we're going to sing about standing, and we will stand, and we'll make this our opening hymn, standing together in this lovely hymn as we commence our gospel campaign. ransomed in glory his face I at last shall see tonight I want you to answer honestly before God this question will you see the face 
of the Saviour and glory. Oh, if not, may this be the night when you will be able to not only sing, but to be assured that when with the ransomed and glory, his face I at last shall see. one of our elders, Mr. Wesley McCauley he's a past pupil of Dalriada we're not going to ask Wesley how long ago it was since he was here in Armstrong Hall but we're delighted that he's here continue to remember to pray for our dear brother that the Lord will continue to lay his healing hand upon him, we're going to ask Wesley to come and open in prayer please let us all pray Our Heavenly Father and Eternal God, we bow humbly and reverently in thy presence this evening at the commencement of the very first meeting in our gospel mission here in Dalriada School. And we thank thee, Lord, that we can come right into thy presence, into the presence of a most holy God, not on our own merit by any means, but we can come through Christ and through the precious blood that he shed for us on Calvary. And, O Lord, we just come before Thee this evening and we thank Thee for the love of God that we have just been singing about. How marvellous, how wonderful is the love of God to us. And, Lord, we thank Thee that it is the message of the gospel that we have come to hear tonight, that God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord, we pray that as that message goes forth tonight and the hymns that we sing together and the pieces that the choir will bring and especially when we come to hear thy word, O Lord, we pray that you will touch every one of our hearts. Lord, that we will hear thy voice speak to each of us tonight. We thank thee for the many that are gathered here that know of thy saving love and have experienced it in their hearts. There's been a time when they have come and gave their life to thee. But Lord, we know there may be some gathered here with us this evening and still they're strangers to thy love and to thy mercy. Oh Lord, we just pray that tonight as the gospel goes forth, you will speak especially to them and that here in this hall tonight, some soul will hear thy voice and come and ask thee to be their saviour. So Lord, we pray that you will undertake in every part of our meeting tonight. Bless especially the Reverend Park as he brings the message. For we ask all these things for thy name's sake. Amen. Thank you, Wesley. We're going to continue to sing God's praise. Hymn 286, Would you be free? It asks the question, Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. 
power in the blood. Standing again while we sing this grand old gospel hymn, please. So we'll do that again. And everybody said amen, amen. and shout it. Hallelujah. Amen. The Hebron Choir, what a joy to have the Hebron Choir with us tonight to open our gospel mission. And we're going to ask them to come and to minister to us in song, please.
Thank you to the Hebron Choir, and praise God, there's still room at the cross. And tonight the prayer of our heart is that you would find that place, and that if you know not the Saviour, you would come to know him as your own and personal Saviour. bid you welcome to our gospel mission here in Dalriada School, and we trust and pray that as we've come here for this period of time to conduct this gospel mission, that we'll know the blessing of God. It's going to give you a warm welcome, but I think that goes without saying. I think we're, we couldn't be much warmer than what we are tonight, but we trust that continues, and no doubt maybe the weather will change over the next number of days. To those who are joining us in Sermon Audio on Facebook and YouTube, we bid you welcome as well. These services are being live streamed. To remember the gospel campaign as it continues each night, uh, Monday through to Friday at uh, 8 p.m. with the time of prayer before at 7.30. We had intended to have it in the library, uh, but we had to move into the room here in the corner. But all being well, we'll be in the library uh, tomorrow night for the time of prayer. Do remember our evangelist, our own minister, Reverend Park, and we trust and pray that the Lord will bless him. We also say at this time a word of appreciation and thanks to the principal and to the Board of Governors of Dalriada School for their willingness to allow us to have this gospel campaign here and for all the help and for the very constructive help that they've been to us over the last number of days in preparation for coming here to the school. Each night there will be those who'll come and minister to us in song. We've heard own choir, the Hebron choir tonight, and we thank them again, Sylvia and Diane and the choir members. We never take it for granted. The work, the practice, the time that's put in uh, for our choir, so thank you in the Saviour's name. Tomorrow night, Mrs. Rebecca Park will minister in song. Tuesday night, Pastor Philip Bowles. Wednesday night, the Word of Truth. Thursday night, again, the Hebron choir. And then Friday night, the Reverend and Mrs. Marcus Leckie. And we trust and pray that each one of those who come to minister in song will know that help that comes from the Lord. Monday night, tomorrow night, is a special uh, time uh, in terms of the lives of two individuals associated with our congregation. We particularly think of our brother David McCauley and Dupont Hernandi. And we trust that as they would graduate, as they would uh, say goodbye to uh, the Whitfield College in that permanent way that the Lord will bless and undertake for them. And as you can appreciate, uh, our own minister and some family members want to be uh, tomorrow night at that service. Uh, and we trust and pray that as you travel there, the Lord will bless you. So tomorrow night, the evangelist will be, uh, as Mr. Park has mentioned this morning, the Reverend John Gray. And as our brother comes, we pray that you'll remember him and another gifted evangelist many years ago when Mr. Gray and Mr. Park were in the Whitfield, or maybe it was a theological hall in those days, uh, they went and conducted gospel missions. And that evangelistic fervor has never left them in their ministry. And we're looking forward to our dear brother, Reverend Gray, coming tomorrow night. Can you do something for us? You bring one person tomorrow night. If you do that, the caretaker will have a problem. We'll have a problem. But that's a good problem to have. Not, not much to ask, but let's all endeavor to bring 
one person tomorrow night through the week in this campaign. And let's invite the dear unsaved in, you know, because there's room at the cross. And let's pray that God will send his blessing in this gospel campaign. We're going to sing our offering hymn. It's a hymn 334. We don't take up an offering during the night of the mission, Monday through the Friday, but on the Sunday evenings we will because our treasure uh, will be more content with that. Where is our treasure? He's sitting somewhere. Oh, there he's there. He's a smile on his face now. So we're just going to lift the offering. Remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn and the offering will be uh, lifted. It was down at the feet of Jesus with a happy, happy day and my soul found peace in believing. Remaining seated for the opening verses of the hymn, please. It is a joy for us to welcome our own minister uh, to commence this gospel campaign. We are blessed in Hebron and having a pastor who has an evangelistic fervor in his soul. And when we organize these gospel missions, uh, it is never seen as taken for granted that it will just be our own minister. It's what we want to do. It's a service that he wants to render. And the Lord has blessed him over the missions that we've had in the years that have gone past. So take the Reverend Park upon your heart every day. Remember the mission and prayer 
and pray that God will come and bless. Brother, the Lord bless you as you come to minister God's word. Thank you, Mervyn. I want to add my own words of welcome to all who have come. Good to see each and every one. Is everyone warm enough? (laughs) I come into an empty hall uh, shortly after six. It was actually quite cool here, but I think with everybody coming in, it's a little bit warmer. Um, I opened one window. I tried to open another one. It didn't work. I got a text from an ex-pupil who happens to be my middle son. And he said, you know, Dad, if you wind the, the apparatus there, the top window's open. So I, I went round and round and round. Nothing happened. So uh, maybe you can get windows open where you are. I'm not sure about Wesley how many years ago it was when you were here. <clears throat> but I'm told, I'm told by a good source that 73 years ago your aunt was here. Is that right, Mrs. Maneri? You must have been in kindergarten. Just maybe two or three years of age, 73 years ago. That's a, that's a long time ago. If you're listening in on the internet, and we have folks that are listening in, <coughs> I want to bid you a very special word of welcome. I see quite a few are listening in through Facebook, and then we have YouTube and Sermon Audio as well. And we have folks on holiday, and I know there's folks from Portugal that are listening in tonight. I saw that just before I got up. And I think that's Willie and Diane. So they're, they're enjoying Portugal, and we're enjoying the cooler weather of Northern Ireland, as it usually is. May the Lord bless us as we have these meetings together, every part of them. We've been thrilled just to listen to the choir, not a, another choir that I would want to listen to more than our Hebron choir. And I mean that uh, from the bottom of my heart. And those pieces that they sang, they were just beautiful. <coughs> I want to, want to announce that our dear sister Maud that I mentioned this morning went home to glory this afternoon. Maud was a very faithful lady in this congregation and she never missed when health permitted her to be at the meetings, every meeting, prayer meeting, Sunday services, the senior fellowship, whenever she could she was there and whenever she was able to go on the outings that we had she was always there but she's been transported to heaven. She has gone to be with the Lord. She had a very clear-cut testimony to the grace of God in her life. And we rejoice in that sense that she's with the Lord today, which is far better. We think of her family that are left behind. They were sitting with her in these past couple of days, just being with her as often as they could. Now, we're turning in the Word of God to Ezekiel chapter 2. Just as you do so, Let me say that uh, our sister uh, will have her funeral service on Wednesday. That will be at 11 o'clock at her home. You will see from any advert that appears on the funeral notices that the funeral is private. But anyone that knew her and loved her will be welcome. You'll certainly not be turned away. Uh, The family made that clear uh, with me today might seem an unusual passage of scripture, the gospel mission. Um, I trust that as we proceed that the Lord will direct our way and you'll see why I've chosen this passage for the, the opening message. But we're going to read it together and may, may the Lord give us help even in the very reading of God's word. Anything that I say is 
seeking as a preacher to explain the scriptures, to expound the word of God. But when we read it, this is the pure, unadulterated word of the living God. And there's something about the scripture itself that is infinitely more powerful than anything that I'm going to say. So let's listen to it intently. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and, and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me. And lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Just ten verses. May the Lord bless this chapter to every heart as we've read these verses together. Let's pray. Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you for the first day of our mission. We've had the planning, we've had the praying, and now, Lord, we come to the preaching of your word. And, Lord, you're promised in your word that when the gospel goes forth, when the word of God is proclaimed, that word that has come forth from your mouth and this book is your word, that it will not return unto thee void. It's going to accomplish something, something powerful, we believe. And, oh God, we pray that you'll bring men and women in for these two weeks to sit in these seats to listen to your word. And most of all, bring men and women to Christ that they might be saved. To this end, grant me the infilling of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm totally reliant upon thee this afternoon, this evening. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me and give me words to say that I might be able to preach your word in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to put a title on the message as I read this chapter. This is the thought that came to me. The awesome duty of the faithful preacher. As I contemplated the mission, thinking about it, praying about it, Lord, what will you have me to say? What will you have me to preach? I really felt that the task before me was a very awesome task. To be the evangelist at this mission, to have the 
immortal souls in my hands as far as the, the gospel preaching is concerned to deal with matters that pertain to eternity. Heaven and hell, glory and despair. To know that men are rushing to the caverns of the damned without hope to perish, to suffer, to be punished, to undergo the eternal wrath of God forever and ever creates a sense of deep responsibility in my heart. For woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I shall give an account one day of this mission. And so shall you. One thing we can be certain about as we live in this life, we're going to stand before God one day. And we're going to give an account of how we've lived our lives. We're going to give an account regarding this mission and ballot money here in Dalriada School. Early on Wednesday morning, 11 days ago, I was reading this second chapter of Ezekiel's prophecy and my, my heart was greatly challenged and stirred within me. And I thought about this man, Ezekiel, this prophet that lived two and a half millennials ago, and I thought about the gospel mission all these centuries later here in the school. There were a number of things which stood out in the pages of Holy Scripture that spoke to my heart. And really this is what I am setting before you. It's not really... A normal sermon is not really a normal message that you would preach at a mission like this, but it's just what's in my heart as God spoke to me from Ezekiel chapter 2. And I trust that as we go down some of these verses and think about some of the thoughts, that the Lord will impress these things upon our minds and hearts and speak to you and to me. The first thing, Ezekiel was sent on one of the most difficult missions that any prophet of God could ever face. Now, I'm sure that the people that I'm called to minister unto in this country, in this land, are not as bad as those that lived in the days of Ezekiel. Certainly some people in our country could be defined in the terms that are used to describe the Israelites of the prophet's time. And maybe, maybe even some who attend this mission will be described in such a way. You'll notice how God describes them. This is the divine description. It was the view that the almighty sovereign God who looked into the hearts of the people down into the nation of Israel. This is how the all-seeing, the all-knowing God observed the people of Israel. A rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. You know, sinners are rebels at heart. Rebels against God, rebels against his word, against his commandments and his laws, against his statutes. Rebels even against his house, against his people, and more importantly against his Christ who came to be the saviour of man. And Israel in the time of Ezekiel was no different, a rebellious nation. Now what is a rebel? Well, a rebel, very simply, is one who opposes authority. Young people can be rebellious against their parents. They can be rebellious, and we're here in a school. Probably none of the young people here that attended Dalriada were ever rebellious against the school authority, but sometimes they can be. Men and women can be rebellious against civic authority. We can be rebellious against police authority. 
But the seriousness of rebellion is observed in its highest form when that rebellion is against God himself. And God said concerning his ancient people that they have rebelled against me. And that's rebellion in the highest form. I know that rebellion in all its forms is ultimately against God and his commandments. For example, when children rebel against parents, they are rebelling against God. They may not always see it that way, but they are, because the fifth commandment is God's command to honor their father and their mother. When the Sabbath day is broken and desecrated, men are rebelling against God because they are rebelling against his fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. When men lust after other women, even in their heart, they are rebelling against God because that's breaking the seventh commandment. And the children of Israel, says God, hath rebelled against me. We are rebels at heart. And maybe this describes someone here in the mission this afternoon. And only the grace of God can change that and take that rebellion away. And this mission, therefore, is so important for those who are rebels at heart against God and his ways. You can read further about the character of these people unto whom the prophet was sent. They are impudent children. That little term means they are, they are hard, hard of face particularly. They are stiff-hearted. And you can think of the description that we have in verse 6 where the prophet is told, Be not afraid of them. Neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost well among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. I'm glad when I look down and see you that your looks are pretty okay. And uh, usually the words that you speak are all right too, but there was going to be something in this people unto whom Ezekiel was sent that was going to be of a bad nature, the very look that they would have in their faces, the words that they would say, would be enough to make the prophet afraid. And the Lord's encouraging him, telling him not to be afraid of what he hears from these people or what he sees in their very countenance. So Ezekiel was sent on a very difficult mission that any prophet could face. But Ezekiel was to preach a God-given message. You see there at the end of verse 4, I shall say unto them, and notice this little phrase, because this is how the prophets of God spoke in ancient times, thus saith the Lord God. And the little term here that is used to describe the Lord, the Lord God, is Adonai Jehovah, which means the sovereign Lord. He was not to bring his own message. He was not to bring what he thought to this nation his own notions and fanciful ideas. So many preachers are like that. The message of the true prophet of God would be stamped with authority. And Ezekiel and every other prophet of Bible times and every prophet since, every preacher today is to speak thus saith the Lord God. And this will be my serious and my solemn duty all the way through this gospel mission, as we shall see. I have no other message than the divinely given message of God's word. I have no other communication to make from this pulpit desk than thus saith 
the Lord. This is the book of God that we hold in our hands. This is God's precious word, and it's the message of this book that I will preach night after night. Notice with me also that Ezekiel was to preach God's message, whether the people would listen or not. And we read the little phrase twice over. We have it, first of all, in verse 5, and then in verse 7. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Whether they listen to you or whether they don't listen to you, Ezekiel, you are to proclaim God's word. And that can be a very difficult task. And often a heartbreaking task as well. So many times when we come to our own pulpit in Balamone, especially at a gospel meeting on a Sunday night and people gather in and the unconverted are there, so glad to see them. Here in the mission likewise this evening, you've come to this mission. We are blessed to have you here and we're glad to have you here. But you know the thing that, that breaks a preacher's heart perhaps more than anything else? When the gospel is proclaimed and people who come into the meetings without the Lord, they leave just the same way. But I'm to keep on preaching. Whether people listen or whether they don't. Whether they heed the word of God or not. Whether they reject Christ or come to Christ. I have to keep on preaching the word. I must be faithful. Now having said all this, there was encouragement for Ezekiel. For one thing, he was a sent man. In verse 3, we read these words. Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. And this gives confidence, it gives comfort and great encouragement to any preacher of the word. Come what may. In every difficulty, in every rebellious time, in every season of rejection, when the gospel is refused, when men walk away without the Lord, even in the hardest cases where you can see the opposition in men, in their faces, in the words that they say, to know that you are sent of God, brings great encouragement. Like John the Baptist, there was a man sent of God whose name was John. John was sent by the Lord. We read of how Peter was sent by the Lord. Paul and Barnabas, we're told, were sent forth by the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 13 when they were sent out to be missionaries. Indeed, Paul declared, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So he's saying, Christ sent me to do what? To preach the gospel. And the Savior says to all true ministers of the gospel, as my Father sent me, even so send I you. As I come to this mission in Dalriada, I praise God. I know in my heart I am sent. I've got this confidence. I have this consolation and this encouragement. Furthermore, Ezekiel had the Spirit's anointing and power. We're told in the opening part of verse 2 that the Spirit entered into me. And that's what I pray for. And I'm asking you, if you're a child of God in this mission this, this evening, you know the Lord, you love the Lord, you're concerned for the souls of men, I want you to pray for this preacher, and I want you to pray especially that the Spirit of God will come upon me, that I might have God the Holy Spirit filling my heart, filling my life, filling my mind every night that I preach at this mission. And that we might have the Spirit of God in the prayer meetings too. The Bible speaks about praying in the Holy Ghost. And that we might have the experience that Peter had when he preached to the Gentiles, when the Holy Ghost fell upon the congregation that he preached unto. 
May the Spirit of God come. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. And just quickly to say there at the end of verse 5, Ezekiel's ministry would be noted. Come what may, no matter what the response of the people would be, whether they hear him or not, the Lord promised that they would know that there was a prophet among them. I'm nothing and nobody, but I pray as we have this mission that people in this area will know that a man of God has come to preach the word of God to them, sent by the Lord and anointed by the Holy Spirit. But just can I single out something as I close? And it's found in the words of verse 7. Thou shalt speak my words unto them. And I want to emphasize as far as this mission is concerned, as far as all my gospel preaching is concerned, indeed my entire ministry, that I am come to stand to declare what God has said and to speak his words, nothing else, his words unto you. Nothing more, nothing less. I'd be a fool to do otherwise. I'm here to say, as I have mentioned from verse 4, thus saith the Lord God. I'm here to declare his words unto you. And may God give you ears to hear and hearts to understand. If I'm coming bringing the message of God, and I pray that I will come in the power of the Holy Spirit, as you sit and listen, may God give you ears to hear what he's saying to your heart. Thus saith the Lord God, Adonai Jehovah, the sovereign Lord, has spoken. And that's what you need to hear. Not merely my voice, though through the preacher's voice the words of God are conveyed. Not simply sermons from the lips of a preacher, but thus saith the Lord God, I'm here to declare his word to you. May God give you ears, therefore, to hear. When Jesus wrote to the seven churches in Asia Minor and the record of those letters that were sent to each church we have in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. When he did that, he had a message for each church. It was a personal, penetrating message to each congregation. And every time at the end of the sermon to each church, he proclaimed these words, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. That's what needs to happen at this mission. If you've got an ear and you have to hear, you've got to listen to what? What the Spirit of God is saying. Not David Park, not the words of this preacher, but God's word, God's message to your soul. The divine truth of Holy Scripture, the message of Christ to your heart, applied, we trust, by the power and ministry of the Spirit of God. And what is God saying? What is the, the thus saith the Lord message? What words do you need to hear? Just as I close, I'm going to fire out some of the great scriptures, some of the great truths, some of the great words of God that he's given, particularly for sinners. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. These are not my words. These are God's words. This is a thus saith the Lord message. You find it in Ezekiel 18 and verse 4. The soul that sinneth, and we know that all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. What is the end result? The end result is death. 
not just physical death. Physical death came as a result of sin, but eternal death forevermore. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Have you got ears to hear that tonight? The wages of sin is death. That familiar text from Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. As you work for your wages, you get your, your payment at the end of the week, at the end of the month, whatever it might be. And putting that in the higher and in the spiritual eternal sense, God is saying the wages, your payment for your sin is death. This death that I have already mentioned. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's God's word. It's God's word to your heart tonight. John chapter 3 verse 18. He that believeth not is condemned already. If you're a child of God in this meeting and you have believed on Jesus Christ, you have believed to the saving of your soul. And the Lord Jesus says you are not condemned. That condemnation has been removed. Eternally so. Forever and ever. You will never come under the condemnation and the wrath of a holy God. But if you believe not, be very sure. This is a thus saith the Lord message. He says you're condemned already. You're abiding under the eternal condemnation of a holy God. What about Hebrews 9 verse 29, 27? It's appointed unto man once to die. But after this the judgment. There's an after this. You're going to die. Nothing surer in this world than you're going to die. You're not sure about your plans for tomorrow. You're not sure about your plans that you made for this week or any other time in the future. But I tell you, you're going to die someday. You don't know when. Our sister Maud Graham lived to 90. Good old age. We had visitors in our church this morning, the Jordan family. Their little child died at 10 months. From the youngest to the oldest and everybody in between. We're going to die. But it doesn't end there. After this, the judgment. There is a day when you'll stand before God and your sins will be called before you. You will give an account and the sentence is going to be passed from the great judge of all the earth. Does that not make you tremble? As you think of your sin, sins of a lifetime that have accumulated over the years of the, the course of life, all will be marching before you and you'll be found guilty on that day, that day of great judgment. Think of Revelation 20, verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Talked about death, physical death, the eternal death. Here's the eternal death, the second death, as it is called in this chapter, the end of the chapter. If your name is not in the book of life, God's thus saith the Lord message to you this very night is that you will be cast into the lake of fire. There's no other alternative. There's no other place. If you die in your sin, if you die without the mercy of God, if your name has never been put in the book of God, you will be cast into this dreadful place. It's the message of God. Do you see that? That brings me to think of Luke 16. It's the only place in the Bible where Jesus Christ actually brings us to hell and shows us a man that's there. There's no other place in the Bible but this one place in Luke chapter 16. And just to single out a few of the phrases, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and he cried, I am tormented in this flame. Can you visualize him tonight? 
This rich man that lived for the world and died without the grace of God, he was buried, but in hell didn't end at all. 2,000 years later, or maybe, because we don't know what period of time the Lord was speaking about, and I believe this was a man that lived, maybe even lived at the time of Abraham, so that, that puts many more centuries onto it. He's been there ever since, in a lost eternity, and he's been there lifting up his eyes in the torments of hell. And that's an eternal sentence. And whether you take two, 3,000 years or more, you might say that's an awful long time. That's nothing in comparison to what eternity is, because eternity is forever. You want to hear God's message to your heart. Dear person, dear sinner in this meeting, there is a hell, and you're going there. I've got to be faithful. I've got to tell you the word of God. That's what he declares in this book. There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that reminds us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, that you might come to see your need. That God's word, his message, these verses that I'm, I'm throwing out at you, are beginning to have an effect. You realize I'm a sinner. I'm under the condemnation of God. There is this dreadful place of second death that is eternal in the lake of fire. And one day, if I die in my sin, I will be like the rich man. I will lift my eyes in the torments of a lost sinner's hell. And I will cry out like he did, and he does this very hour. I'm tormented in this flame. But there's grace, grace that can save you. It's the grace of God that can reach your heart and bring you to Christ and cover your sin. And how do you obtain that grace? By faith, trusting in the living Christ who died for you. Oh, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the cross. God loves you. I want you to know that. I want all men in Balamoni to know that. Just a few weeks ago, we were having our open air in one of the housing areas of our town. We expect a little bit of opposition because people don't like the gospel. And as we were standing at the open air, I think it was the gospel shots that were going forth. People were quoting verses of scripture. I could see this big guy coming across the green. A really big guy. He was that big. Um, I didn't want to argue with him. All right. It says on on his t-shirt, the world's strongest man. All right. But he says, have you got permission to be here? Do you know that this, this green is owned or at least rented by the, the residents of this place? Well, I, I was able to say, well, I, I've got friends here. I've got relatives here that live, and they want us to be here. Anyhow, I wasn't going to argue with them. But I said, can I shake your hand? And I shook his hand, and I said, I want you to know God loves you. And we are here simply to proclaim the gospel. And tell of Jesus Christ who died upon the cross for sinners. And we left in, in good terms. I want you to know that God loves you. Commanded his love toward you. And in the greatest demonstration of the love of God. There it is at the cross. When Jesus Christ died for sinners. And took your place. And therefore the Lord would say to you. This evening. Behold I stand at the door and knock. Do you hear that knock? Oh, you've heard it before, haven't you? You've sat in gospel missions, gospel meetings umpteen times. And you've heard the Lord knocking. 
and he's still knocking. That's grace, that's mercy, that he hasn't left you. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, any woman, any young person, hear my voice and open the door, here's the promise, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. That's fellowship with Christ. And you know, you need to open the door. The latch is on the inside, but the Lord's on the outside and he's knocking. Do you hear him? I pray that you do. And then let me quote to you one final verse. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, verse 13. That whosoever is you, wherever you are in this meeting without Christ, that's you. And what do you do? You call, not on this preacher, not on this church, not on any denomination, not any preacher. You call upon the one that is able to save you from your sin. The great name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. See, my friends, this is God's word. This is thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible teaches. As I quote these texts, I'm speaking to you the words that God has given. This is the message of God at this mission time to your heart, covering all those subjects of sin and judgment and condemnation, heaven and hell, Christ and salvation, redemption through the blood, mercy, the forgiveness of sins. My dear friend, without Christ, you need to flee. You need to flee your sin, but you need to flee the wrath to come because of your sin, that condemnation that you're under. And you need not only to flee, but you need to come. And where do you come? You come to Christ. He invites you to himself. And you need to repent. Repentance is turning away from your sin. And you need to believe. Believing in what Christ has done when he came to this earth to be the Savior was for you. And when you flee and you come and you repent and praise God you believe, you shall be saved. It is our prayer, our earnest prayer, that you shall be saved at this mission and even this very night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're glad to know that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And Lord, we're glad to come here and to be like the prophets of old, to speak thus saith the Lord, to bring God's message and to speak only what God gives us to say. We're glad that the Spirit of God comes and helps preachers and helps listeners to hear the word, if they've got ears to hear, to listen to what the Spirit is saying. And Lord, we just pray that you'll take your truth and write it upon the hearts of men and women and young people here without the Savior that need to call upon the name of the Lord this very day. Don't let them leave the mission without Christ. Lord, on this first day, not tomorrow night, not next week, not at the end of the mission, but this very first day, may they hearken to the word of the Lord and be saved. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Closing hymn is that lovely gospel appeal hymn, 289, Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thy bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. How do you come to Christ? You come just as you are. Don't clean up your life beforehand. You don't need to make changes now. You come to Christ as you are. With all your sin, with all your burden, with all your need, with all your spiritual poverty, you come to him and you cry in your heart, O Lamb of God, I come. May he give you grace to do just that.
here to help you all we can. If you want to speak to us, I'm your servant for Christ's sake. There's a room that we can go to, we can talk privately, but come to the Savior and make no delay. Almighty God, bless your word. Bless the opening day of this mission. May it please God to to bring the unconverted unto Christ, that they might believe and be saved. We thank you that salvation is real. We thank you that your mercy is real. And we pray that the salvation of Christ that is real will be experienced by individuals tonight. Dismiss us now in your fear and love. Take us to our homes in safety for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.